Thank you for having us here. We're, we're, very, we're very blessed to be able to come and talk to you about the Appropriations Committee. I, you know, uh, I came into Congress in 2002, and I got on the Appropriations Committee in 2004, which is sort of a record. Uh, I was pretty proud of that, I thought. And uh, at the time, I was told this is the most important and most respected uh, committee in the entire country. And you should be very proud to be on the Appropriations Committee. It's a, pro a the Appropriations Committee gets things done. It's kind of like when I went to the University of Texas Law School, and at the time I went in there, University of Texas had had like four 10 and 0 or, or 9 and 1 seasons in football. They were the a superpower and won that one national cha championship. And I started at their school, and they had a 6-4 season. And then they had another 6-4 season. They were talking about firing Daryl Royal, a legendary court, co coach at the University of Texas. And one day in the coffee shop at law school, I said, it was kind of funny. Every school I go to, their football team loses. And one of the guys from UT said, Daryl Royal will give you a full scholarship to Arkansas Law School if you'd like to go there. <laughs> well, that's the same thing I experienced with the Appropriations Committee. You know, we, the Appropriations Committee, when I came on, it was this glorious place to be. Oh, you should be so happy. And then within a, within a year, we were the pariah of the nation. We were those evil people who spent the money. And we still are. And so we are at a different time in the appropriations process. Chairman Rogers likes to say we're at the disappropriating committee today. Uh, and it, 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 it's the nature of the, of the world we live in that, that creates us that way. But you can't make too many jokes about what's going on right now in the country because we are in real serious times right now. And those of us that are on the appropriations committee, and you'll hear from a lot of the, the folks that are here today are relatively new to the committee, and I think their impressions will be interesting to you. But the truth is we have now a, a really bigger duty than we had before because we've got to be part of the team that saves the country. And that's, that's hard. We've got to turn a ship of state and turn it in the right, a different direction, a complete 180 to go, to go from north to south. And, and that's, that's a challenge. We go against, we go against at least 100 years of tradition uh, and the way things are done in Washington. And now we're, now we're at a situation and, and we're actually sitting here at a time when we're at a turning point where real crisis can happen if we don't get, our, get the job done. And so we're, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit, just give you an outline of where we are. But I want to first point out to you, as this super committee meets, and they're meeting right now, I hope, uh, the, the consequences of them not getting their job done, at least for my district, and I think for you, uh, as, as people who expect our nation to protect us, are pretty, pretty, pretty awesome, pretty terrible. The Secretary of the Army, along with the, one of my good friends who, I've, since I've been in the Army, I've watched him move from a two-star general to a four-star general, General Ray Odierno, the man who was in charge in Iraq after Petraeus moved on. Uh, a great American. They told us that in the, in the Army Caucus, and I'm the a, I'm a co-chair co of the Army Caucus, I have Fort Hood in my district, which is the largest military facility on the face of the earth. There are more active duty war fighters in Fort Hood than any place else on earth. And here's what they told us. The consequences of going to sequestration is 
200,000 soldiers lost in the Army. Now, that is a phenomenal amount of people. When you're talking about, we've already agreed to bring the Army down to 480. We're, not, we're, we're now at roughly 590. We're going to bring it down to 480. And then 200,000 off of 480, we're going to go from 590 to 280. And 280 can't defend this nation. And you don't win wars without boots on the ground. And you don't win people, you don't deal with people who want to attack this country and blow up World Trade Center with 280,000 soldiers. So that is a life-changing world for America. We go from the best defended nation in the country to one that can't defend itself as a result of, of the expenditures that we're doing. So that's what makes the job that we have as appropriators in changing the world that we're in difficult. Uh, we have, you know, where we are with the, the super committee is pretty simple. We have, the House is now using discretionary level for spending of the Budget Control Act of FY 2012. Uh, the basis of the negotiation in the 302A allocations of the Budget Control Act is one, $1 trillion, .043, trillion. The Ryan budget is a $1 trillion, .019 trillion, and somewhere in that range is where the spending is going to be. And the great debate is where it's going to be. And there, there, there is a debate in our, inside of our house, inside of our, our committee, as to where it should be. And the, the, those who have, are committed to the conservative, we're going to really cut spending, or, or down at the, the 1.019. And the top number is, is 1.043. Now, that's, that's the spending that for, for 13, basically for 12, that we're, we're looking at. Now, here's the interesting concept. The committee, meanwhile, is looking at 1.2 trillion in cuts. As a, that's supposed to be the minimum that we're going to deal with. So you can see that the direction that the, that the country is going is towards saving money and cutting spending, not spending money. And yet, what are we? We are the spending committee. Uh, the, the great debate, I think, uh, it has a caveat, and it's in the Constitution. The, con the caveat in the Constitution is no money shall be spent from the Treasury without first being appropriated by the House. And so uh, I, I'm a little bit curious about some of these uh, executive orders that are going on from the administration when the Constitution of the United States says no money shall be spent out of the Treasury without first being appropriated by the House. And so we've got other issues that are peripheral issues uh, as a debate between the legislative and the executive branch of government. I think that's an interesting place to be. I think it should be talked about more. But then I'm an old trial judge. And my whole world, works, as Brian and I were talking about it, you know, my world is Right and wrong. There's not even gray. Gray people, if they're gray towards, towards wrong, they go to prison. That's the way it works. <laughs> you know, this is not hard stuff. So we're, we've got a bunch of our folks here that are going to talk to you about their view of what's going on. And we're going to start off with one of, one of my favorite people. Uh, this guy politically is the tiger of the con Congress, okay? My, my good friend Charlie Dent. I love this guy because when it comes time for elections, you or his opponent, you better get out of the way, boy. I'm telling you. 
This, this is the guy who's got a tough district. He handles it every time, and the reason he does is because he, he's smart, he's quick, he's good on his feet, and he, do, he goes for the throat if that's necessary. On the committee, he's already an asset that we are seeing very much, and we are proud of him. I'm, I want to tell you that Charlie Dent is the kind of guy that we need to have in this Congress. He's from a tough district. He makes tough votes for his district, uh, and I like anybody that's brave, and this man's brave. Charlie, come up here. With respect to the Appropriations Committee, uh, a few things I, I wanted to mention. Uh, this is a committee, though, that actually has to get things done. I still think it's uh, the best committee in, in Congress to be in uh, because we do have to get things done. We have to fund the government, and that means we have to do something affirmatively, uh, unlike some other committees and maybe some other folks in our institution you know, who you know, make a career vote no. Uh, we actually have to vote yes uh, from time to time just to, to run to run the government. And uh, we, I feel like we're the, we're the committee that's most responsible for governance when you think about it. Uh, and, uh, and what frustrates me right now is we have a U.S. Senate that's been, well, it's over 900 days since they passed the budget. You know, the president's on campaign mode. And in the House, I think we have some, some of our members, we have to get in line sometimes to, to vote for things because uh, uh, my big fear right now is that uh, with the super committee's uh, deadline looming, uh, I, I'm concerned that they may not come to an agreement. And I think the public is looking at all of us here and saying, you know, you guys can't get anything done. And uh, every time uh, we take this government to the brink of closure, about every three or four months, uh, people look at us all and, and think we're, we're fairly useless. And it's a, it, I think it's a bad indictment on all of us. And I, that's the one thing that, that kind of keeps me up at night, uh, that if we don't have the capacity to govern, you know, it's, it's not a good reflection on any of us, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Uh, you know, the good news for the Republicans is, you know, the, the Democrats control the White House right now. They'll be judged more harshly. Uh, but still, it's, uh, it's not good for our, our party if we're seen as uh, ineffective. Uh, so that's been my, uh, main, uh, my main observation so far. Uh, having served in the state legislature for a long time and been on the Appropriations Committee there, and I always knew that it was one thing I had to do as a member of the legislature. I had to fund the government, had to pass the budget, get it done on time. Uh, that was uh, very, very important uh, because uh, the few times it, it didn't happen, that's when the public really judges you very harshly. They'll never give you credit for getting it done right. Uh, at least they won't give you a lot of credit for that, but they will certainly judge you harshly if you fail, if you fail to lead, if you fail to govern. So those have been a few of my observations. Uh, also, I wanted to mention, too, that uh, I serve on three subcommittees, uh, State Foreign Ops, uh, THUD, uh, and, um, <clears throat> and uh, Homeland Security, where I served on the authorizing committee uh, for some time. As the uh, judge mentioned, you know, we got these minibuses coming up now. Uh, first one coming out of the Senate on uh, uh, T. Hud Ag and uh, CJS, and then we're going to move the. So it looks like the Senate's going to move on a second one on on state uh, financial services and energy and water. And so this is all going to get very interesting. So uh, we have a lot of work to do, and I think I had three minutes, and my time is up. But thank you, Judge, for being a good mentor, and he'll announce the next uh, member. Thank you. We've got. Lots of bios up here, but uh, let's talk about this next young lady that's coming in here. Uh, I have had the pleasure of, of knowing Cynthia Lomas from a personal standpoint. I do a, a, an hour almost every week on C-SPAN. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you have better things to do with your time than watch it. But, uh, and if you don't get there, on, if you're not there when it starts, they just pass it over. And... Uh, Cynthia was relatively new in the Congress, but she had the wherewithal to rescue me one night. I have never forgotten it. 
and took the time just so I didn't lose it because I was on the way from Cannon Office Building down the tunnel. And, uh, and I've, I've, that's the kind of friendship you want from your colleagues that realizes they have no idea what you're doing, but they know you're not there and you probably want the time, so they step up and they take it for you. I've, I still want to thank her again. She is an asset to our, to our conference. She is a leader in our conference. She's been called upon by the speaker to do projects that are important and by the NRCC to do projects that are important. Uh, most importantly, she is a new and, and a firm voice on the Appropriations Committee. So let me introduce to the, 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 the gentlelady from Wyoming, the Cowboy State, and let her come up here and tell you how she sees the committee. Thank you, Judge. Um, I had no uh, idea that I would land on the Appropriations Committee. And after I did, my, uh, my husband bought me an old book. He's a vintage book fan. And it's an old history of the Appropriations Committee. Uh, ran through about 1964. And uh, I've read uh, substantial portions of that book and see that prior to about 1964, the Appropriations Committee really saw its role, whether they were Democrats or Republicans, as protectors of and defenders of the public fisc and defending that fund and taxpayers from uh, all the people who wanted to get their hand in the public till. And it has truly changed since 1964. Uh, with more liberal Democrats and quite frankly more moderate Republicans in terms of spending on that committee uh, to become a committee that is very noted uh, for spending a great deal of money. And there I believe will be now after about 50 years uh, of spenders on that committee hopefully a culture shift to where the committee returns uh, to what uh, Representative Cannon speaks repeatedly about uh, in the book and their efforts to become protectors uh, of the taxpayers' money and make sure that uh, worthy projects and not just uh, somebody's wish, wish list is funded. So as we turn this ship around, as Judge Carter said, uh, there, is some, uh, there are some painful decisions and uh, difficult uh, times involved in changing the culture of a committee that is used to spending more and more every year to becoming a committee uh, that spends uh, less every year. Uh, I am on three subcommittees, uh, Agriculture, Interior and Environment, and Labor, Health, Human Services, and Education. I know that sounds like more than three, but it's only three. Uh, we were in the midst of debating the Interior and Environment Bill uh, when the midsummer uh, discussions between the White House and uh, John Boehner uh, caused us to have to switch gears and address the debt ceiling. Consequently, we never finished that bill. There were many, many important writers on that bill, especially with regard to EPA. Uh, and I'm hopeful that the bill as we uh, reported it from committee uh, will become a strong basis for discussions uh, as they occur with the Senate because uh, for highly regulated industries that the EPA touches, that is an area where we need considerable 
um, uh, time to understand the true ramifications of many of these extremely onerous regulations that were proposed by EPA. Uh, we also, uh, Denny Reberg is reporting out the Labor, Health, Human Services and Education Bill, which will also have some writers on it uh, that will um, address issues that uh, uh, deal with uh, especially uh, labor-related regulations that many industries are, are dealing with now. And of course the Ag uh, Bill is becoming the basis for the first minibus as uh, uh, it was earlier said. So uh, there is going to be more of an impact by these, um, by, by what the super committee is doing on the 2012 budget than I originally knew uh, when we were discussing the debt ceiling, the Budget Control Act. Consequently, you're going to see a tremendous mis, uh, mishmash uh, for the next few months. Uh, between the 2012 budget, the super committee's work, uh, the CR that we're going to have to pass to get us through the end of the year because as you know the current CR expires on November 18th and the super committee doesn't report until November 23rd and we don't have to adopt their findings until December 23rd and you know us, we won't. Um, so. So we will have to have another CR till the end of the year to cover the gap. Uh, so we're, we're into a very uh, difficult to follow period. Um, so um, tighten your cinches and uh, uh, grab the saddle horn, hold on tight. Thank you. Our next speaker is Congressman Steve Austria from Ohio and he is somewhere. There you go. Uh, he, uh, he is a, a asset to our community and he fought a, a tough fight to get here. And we're, we're proud to have Steve. Steve, come up here and tell us about your experience on the Appropriations Committee. Uh, you know, it was an honor uh, to be selected to be on the Appropriations Committee. And you have to understand, Judge, I got to put this in perspective. I followed my good friend, Congressman Dave Hobson, who many of you know, and I, uh, who was uh, served on the Appropriations Committee, was a, a cardinal on the Appropriations Committee. And, um, you know, when I, when I consulted with him, and he, we've been friends for 25 years, still one, he's, he's, he's my, my mentor, helped me through my 10 years in the state legislature. I served two years in the House and eight years in the Ohio Senate. And I asked him about, following him on appropriations and because of the work he had done. And he reminded me that it was a different committee from what he served on. And I don't know if he was giving me his condolences or congratulations for being asked to be on appropriations, but he did remind me it's where the action is. It, it's when we're facing the serious problems that we're facing in this country, uh, it's the committee to be on to really deal with those problems. And Judge, you're right. I mean, it's still where the action is, it's a different committee but we are dealing with some very serious issues on the Appropriations Committee. And one of the goals I had as a uh, new member of the Appropriations Committee was to try to help restore regular business order. Um, you know, the fact that the last Congress, we didn't see a budget or a single appropriations bill from Speaker Pelosi or Senator Reid, um, you know, they failed, in my opinion, to do one of the basic functions of the United States Congress, and that's passing a budget and uh, passing the appropriations bills. Um, and as a result, we saw in a very important CR bill that we had to pass in April to get us through 
this fiscal year, and we're still challenged without a budget. And we continue to, to try to restore that regular order on the Appropriations uh, uh, Committee, which is extremely important, I think, as we move for, forward, because clearly it has caused uh, a tremendous amount of um, undue strain, I think, on um, our country, on fam hardworking families, small businesses, our military uh, and their families. Uh, the uncertainty is caused by not having a, a real budget, budget can lead to, to furloughs, uh, scheduled slips, um, cost increases, management problems. And some of the most important programs uh, in, in my district that's directly impacted with our national defense, uh, not to mention the quality of life issues they raise with our brave men and women who are serving uh, overseas and their families. Um, in my district, there are uh, four military bases that I represent. Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is the largest single-site employer in the state of Ohio. Uh, 27,000 military civilians, defense contractors work inside defense and uh, in the area, and it's extremely important to Ohio, as well as the Springfield Air National Guard Base, uh, Rickenbacker Air and Army National Guard Base, the Navy Reserve Center, as well as the uh, Defense Supply Center of Columbus. So it's, very, it's a very important issue for me when it comes to defense, and I serve on the Military Construction uh, and Veterans Affairs Committee, which directly deals with many of their issues. Um, and so, so much of my focus so in my first year on the Appropriations Committee is, being hel is helping to ensure that our defense community has what they need to protect our nation, which I think is extremely important as we go through these challenging times and ensure that, uh, that we're doing our jobs here in Washington to ensure that our men and women who are serving overseas are able to complete their missions and, and get home safely and that they have the resources and the equipment to be able to do that, and that's extremely important to me. Um, but I also understand that we are going through a very difficult time with our economy and that we have to get our fiscal house in order in order for this country to move forward and be strong economically. Um, and I'm deeply concerned, as I think most Americans are, about our nation's economic future and the difficult spending challenges, decisions that we're going to have to make on appropriations. But they're necessary uh, to return our nation to a sound uh, financial footing. So, you know, the challenge we have is, is getting our fiscal house in order and, and restoring regular business. Um, and we understand that there are going to be cuts, but at the same time understanding the impact that those cuts are having on those back, in, in back home whom we represent, which, are so, which is so important. The next gentleman is my good friend Alan Nunley from Mississippi. He and I are missing Bible study right now to be here with you, so that's how much we think of you. Okay. Uh, and when you're in a Bible study with a guy, you get to know him. And his heart's good, and he's a good man, and he's smart, and he knows what he's talking about. So I want to bring my good friend and colleague, Alan Nunley, up here to talk to him about it. what he thinks about it. It is a privilege uh, to be here with you. Uh, and, and it's an honor to be on the Appropriations Committee. There are three of us that are freshmen that, that are on the committee. Uh, I think that um, uh, is a tribute to the House leadership, uh, and what, as well as Chairman Rogers' leadership, that he would be willing to include three freshmen on the committee. Uh, I came to the Congress as a freshman. I chaired the Appropriations Committee at the state level. Uh, and so I had a number of people ask me, well, well how is it like, how is it different? Well, a couple of ways it's different is that here we put a string of 
six or nine zeros at the end of all the bills that we didn't do at the state. Uh, and then the other is that at the uh, state level, we don't have a printing press where we can print money in the basement of the Capitol. Uh, we tried that about 150 years ago, and it didn't work out too well. <clears throat> but there, there are some, some similarities. Charlie hit on it. The Appropriations Committee is different from any of the authorizing committees. Charlie talked about the fact that, that we must pass a bill. Uh, and a nuance of that, uh, and I learned at the state level, is that we don't have the luxury of picking and choosing which bills we deal with. If, if you're in an authorizing committee, you weigh the, uh, the, the need to get legislation passed against the, the political currents that are flowing to find the most opportune time to bring it out. Uh, whereas appropriation, we got 12 bills, and we must take up all 12 of them. And it, it does present some unique challenges. Now, as a freshman, I think we have been a part of helping change the culture here in D.C. Uh, one thing I learned pretty quickly is that in this town, uh, you use the same words and phrases that we used back in Mississippi. They just have different meanings. Uh, one of them is something simple like cutting spending. <laughs> well, I found out real quickly that the Washington definition of spending cuts is a cut in the rate of growth. And if you plan to spend uh, an extra billion dollars and you only spend an extra 800 million, then you've cut spending. Uh, well, the folks in Mississippi don't buy that. Uh, and what I know from talking to families, from small businesses, um, and even local and state governments, is that in these tough times, they're sitting around their kitchen tables, they're sitting around their board tables, they're also sitting around tables uh, in, in county courthouses around the state and they're making tough decisions. And they have every reason to expect their policymakers in D.C. to make those same tough decisions. And I think that's one thing we've done uh, as part of the freshman class is we have helped begin to change the culture in D.C. And now when we talk about spending cuts, we're not talking about spending cuts based on Washington's definition, but based on the definition that's used by the American people. And I will acknowledge we have not cut near the amount that I would like to have cut or that I think we as a Republican conference wanted to cut. We do still have to deal with Harry Reid in the United States Senate, but we have changed the culture. And we didn't get into this mess overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight. We're committed uh, because we understand the direct link between spending, between the threat of higher taxes, and the threat uh, and the cloud hanging over us in economic growth. So as part of the freshman class, we're committed to, to do our job to bring our budget back in line. Thank you. I think you're getting a good cross-section of the talent we've got uh, in this committee. Um, this next gentleman, Steve Wormack, is from Arkansas. You know, uh, Texas was populated by all the people they ran out of Arkansas. <laughs> so so we're, real, we're real close to those folks from Arkansas. And, and, you know, I serve on the T-HUD committee with uh, Steve, and he, uh, he asked, you know, I like a guy, I'm, I'm an old trial judge, and I like guys that ask tough questions and put people on the spot. And having been a former mayor, which is really down in the trenches, he's got the tough questions down pat. And so I want you to, to listen to what he has to say. Steve. Thank you, Judge. First of all, let me just say, it is a great honor to serve on the committee. Um, I have people back in Arkansas ask me, 
how did you do that? Uh, no member from the 3rd District of Arkansas, dating back well beyond John Paul Hammersmith, has ever served on one of these select committees. And now, John Paul did get invited onto Ways and Means, but because of his seniority, he chose not to go that path. But uh, you just simply ask for the opportunity. And I knew the math was in the favor of the freshman class, because when you have 87 new freshmen arrive in Washington, you have to believe that some of those a committee assignments are going to be dispersed out to some incoming freshmen or else they'll have to make those committees a lot smaller. And so uh, the three of us, uh, uh, Kevin, myself, and Alan, uh, all were very fortunate to be assigned to the committee. And I, I have the additional privilege of being able to be the vice chair of the Energy and Water Subcommittee. So I am eternally grateful to Chairman Rogers and the House of Leadership for, for doing that. And as I said, most everything's already been said. There is one thing that I'd like to add, however. It's something that we all need to re remind ourselves of, and I spend a great deal of my time back in the district reminding people of this because now that they know I'm on the Appropriations Committee, they think that I have this magic wand to be able to balance the books. Let's just keep in mind that you can't, if you took every single program that the Appropriations Committee deals with, every single program to zero, you still can't balance the budget. And so there's, a, I think, a great message to all of us in here that we have this enormous challenge facing us to be able to cut in a cut pro appropriately, but to be very careful that we try to balance the federal books on the back of, of the discretionary side of the table. It's just not possible. And, um, and so I think that continues to be one of the biggest challenges we have. And there's been discussion about whether it's 1043 or 1019 or whatever that number is going to be in between. Uh, the end of the day, we have a spending problem we have to deal with, and the appropriators are the ones that are going to have to lead in that regard. Well, uh, and now the guy who's at the bottom of the list with the Y that all the, the W's love, Kevin Yoder, we come up here. We're running, our time is running out, so. I'm going to move, just introduce him and let him go. I will say it's been a real pleasure to be on appropriations as a freshman. Uh, you've heard a, a lot of great uh, anecdotes about what we're up to and the challenges we face. It's no secret we're in a fiscal crisis in Washington. Uh, as coming from the Kansas legislature, like uh, Al Nunley, I was chairman of the House Appropriations Committee there. And so people ask me as well, you know, what are the differences between serving in the state legislature and serving in Washington, D.C.? And one of the things I've really found striking is that we are fighting on the Appropriations Committee and on the floor of the U.S. House for the very values of the American people. Uh, the challenges we're facing aren't just necessarily about what to cut and what to move from one side to another. We're actually debating uh, what type of economy we want to have. Is it going to be a government-run economy? Is it going to be a private sector-focused uh, job creation economy? And that fundamental values debate about the free enterprise system versus a big government system is really striking. You know, we have Democrats and Republicans in Kansas. We don't have very many folks that argue that raising taxes and spending more money is good for economic prosperity. And you actually have folks in the Appropriations Committee, and it's, it's really stark. I mean, it's, it's, it's black or white. As uh, the judge said, uh, you're either uh, someone who believes that raising taxes, spending more money, uh, borrowing more money, uh, putting more regulations on the economy is good for it or it isn't. And we have folks who actually get up on the floor of the House and in committee and say, you know what's wrong with this economy? We're not regulating it enough. We don't have enough government programs. We're not borrowing enough. We're not spending enough to stimulate the economy. We're not raising taxes enough. 
And just in the Kansas legislature, no one ever went to the floor and said, you know what, we need to tax, spend, and borrow more to build prosperity. And so that battle is just really interesting, I think, to the American people. It's, it's amazing. It was one of the biggest surprises to me is that we're actually having a debate about core basic economic values. And the folks in this room, and the, I think the vast majority of American people know that this country wasn't built on big government programs. It wasn't built on short-term stimulus bills. It wasn't built on borrowing and spending. It was built on the hard work and determination of the American people. And I look at Kansas's history, and uh, a, a century ago, uh, 150 years ago, this is 1861 when our state was founded, just like a lot of states, folks were coming out to Kansas with no guarantees on a covered wagon to try to build this country from scratch. And in the process, by working hard, they carved a future out of the prairie and built the most prosperous nation the world has ever seen. We didn't build that country through big government programs, through stimulus bills, through government regulations, through all these great Washington ideas. We built it from the ground up by the American people. And so when we're facing this tough economic time, we know that to rebuild this country, we have to get back to those very core values that got us here in the first place. And it's in the Appropriations Committee, it's with Judge Carter and my other good colleagues that we're fighting that battle on the front lines every day to rebuild this country so it can be the country that we receive from our parents and grandparents, we can lead that same nation to the next generation. I'm proud to be part of that battle. I, I didn't realize, I think, when I got there on that committee how critical that actual debate in that committee was going to be to the future of a country. But I'm proud to be there. We've got a great working committee. Uh, and all of your support and encouragement and everything you do helps us along the way. And we've got a lot of work to do. So it's time to end the meeting and get back to that tough work. So thanks for having us here this morning. I think we've given you a good cross-section of the kind of talent we have and uh, that we have in this Congress and in, on this committee. Uh, these are, are people with drive and intelligence who, who take this, this business seriously.